Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, all right, all right. You can have a seat. Great way to start off the day. We got more of that coming up at the end of the service. We tend to like to reflect, sing a little bit. Um, you have a chance for communion, which is in the front and the back. You can do that by yourself. If you want to do it with a group of people and just kind of reflect. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great, great morning. It's going to be a great day for a lot of different reasons, hopefully. Uh, before we kind of uh, get in groups, let me just uh, give you a heads up on kind of what's going on. Connection groups are heading into week three. Uh, they're going awesome. Uh, and so we have a Wednesday and Thursday night. If you're not in one, those are opportunities. Connect with people. Uh, so we have two options, two different nights, and uh, they're both in the Marietta area, so it's kind of halfway, because we got people spread all, all over from Hemet down to South Temecula. So uh, that's an option for you and a great way just to be encouraged and get that midweek little spark uh, that we all need. So just a heads up on that. Uh, also, uh, next week we are headed uh, down to the Tijuana uh, Christian Mission, and so there's an orphanage down there we support, just so you know. Uh, they have a women's shelter that they've been building. They had to stop due to funds. So our church, you guys, uh, we allocated 10 grand uh, to go to them. So yeah, thank you. Um, and as you continue to give, we'll probably pour more money into that, especially if they're low on funds. Uh, but the government does not help if women are abandoned, if there's abuse. So it's really uh, the church uh, that provides them. There's other churches that are doing it too. We just want to partner. So they were super thankful. They want to say thank you. I'm going to head down there. They have two different ones, a, a children's one and a teen one. So you guys know we're just rotating. The teen one's a Saturday. Teens really like it when you train them on something, singing or tutoring or doing something like that. So since I'm the one going down and I don't know all that other stuff, I'm going to teach them basic self-defense. And so we'll have a little bit of a class. And, uh, and then also we cook for them. So we had a few people that wanted to go, but we had passport issues, a couple with schedules. So right now, it's Jeremiah who's hitting the drums here, and me. We're going down. No, don't cheer because we need more people. So no, no. Uh, but if you have availability, we could use one or two more people. Uh, so uh, that would be helpful, especially me teaching the class, one other person. You don't need to know self-defense. You don't need to. But I just need another body there. And again, it's about connecting with the teens. It's not even about self-defense per se. Um, or even helping otherwise. Jeremiah, I don't know how your cooking skills are. Have you been? Are they been? So Jer oh, you're good. So Jeremiah might need, might need a, an assistant chef um, that could be helpful. So just a heads up. If you want to do that, you can sign up online or let me know. And um, again, it's Saturday. It's going to be all day. Uh, but it's well worth it. It's an amazing time how God uses us, but also how he blesses us. Because every time I go down there, I'm humbled and, and really pumped just to... Um, just keep loving people and, uh, and seeing how God changes them. Those are all really good things, and I agree with you guys. I'm going to be talking about something today, though, that is actually um, not within our culture. It's not something that's appreciated. It's not something that's valued. And it can be tough for us because even though we come here to church, we've grown up in our culture. So it can be very difficult um, about what we're here today. But I think it's, it's the key that hopefully we can kind of think about how this applies in our life because I think it's... If I think of us culturally, it's one of the top reasons why, um, as a nation per se, we're actually falling down when it comes to, as a nation, in education. We used to be, in many ways, in math, in reading, top five, and now we're in the uh, middle to bottom percentile with all the resources we have. Even morally, you see this 
right? There's just this decline, right? And so we look at these things and we can get angry, but there's a reason for it. And a lot of times, because we're in the culture, it can also influence us in our spiritual lives. And so today, what we're going to be talking about is the key to real change or success in our lives depends on the ability to define truth, accept truth, and speak truth. Now, we like that, like, ah, that's a good statement, but we hate living that out. Think about your life when someone has spoken truth. Many times our first response was not like, hey, thanks for confronting me. That's awesome. Thanks for pointing out that flaw. Yeah, no, duh. <laughs> I know I need to lose weight, you know, or I know I talk too much or I know, right? But our first response is defensive or blaming or this. And if you have that in your life, you're going to struggle to be successful. And most of all, where we want to be successful is spiritually. The truth can hurt, but the truth, as Jesus says, is what actually sets us free. I'm, thank I'm thankful for truth in retrospect, right? Many a times. And I hope this encourages you because when you speak truth and make sure it's truth, I'm going to be talking about that. There's a difference between the truth and your opinion. Oh, okay. All right. I hit something. All right. <laughs> the big difference. We're going to be talking about that today. So when I speak it, I don't, I'm not looking for immediate response. I'm just hoping something plants that'll make them successful or change their lives later on. Um, I'm so thankful to be married to Christine. 24 plus years, and she's been a phenomenal partner. I'm just thankful. The way she's uh, shaped me and God has allowed her to shape me. Um, and blessings that I didn't realize when I first married her that, that were later on. And sometimes I didn't even appreciate early on, right? Um, but before Christine, dated a few women. And one of uh, the women that I was dating um, necessarily didn't bring out the best in me. But it was one of those things where, you know, you kind of get in your relationship. And if I'm honest, um, I knew she was draining me. But I, I was at the age where a lot of my friends were getting married. And it just seemed like the natural next step. And it, it was kind of just easy. And then all of a sudden you start talking about it. And even though I know it wasn't the right thing until a friend pulled me aside, and this was a super nice friend, like he, this dude always is encouraging and nice and happy. And he goes, bro, I don't know how you're gonna take this, but I just want you to know that ever since you've been dating her, you're different and it's not for the best. And he goes, I just gotta say that to you. And at the time I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm the same guy. Well, he was right. Holy Spirit then took his seat of truth, boom, 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 broke up with her, which was, the right thing to do, not a functional or healthy relationship. And it would be about three months later that God would really open my eyes to Christine, who I already knew at the time. She was a friend. I'm thankful for that friend. My life would not be the same if I would have married that woman. It would have been craziness. Truth matters. The key to success in a marriage, the key to success in relationships. I think about counselors in my life. I encourage you guys, get professional counseling. I've done it. It can be so good. Sometimes wise counsel people you know is good. Sometimes nice to meet with someone that doesn't know you at all. <laughs> and, but they need to be able to speak truth. I've had some wishy-washer counselors. They ask great questions, but they never speak truth. Boy, that's changed my life. Had a, a counselor that I met with when I was going through a tough time. I left a church, and it was really difficult, and I had a few staff that were frustrated with me, and I was frustrated with them. And the counselor looked at me and says, you're a bulldog. 
first time someone actually just said that to my face. So what did I do? I debated with her for an hour about how I wasn't a bulldog. <laughs> Thus proving I was a bulldog. The lights went on about an hour in where she's looking at me. I'm like, oh, she's like, exactly, right? Met with another counselor because I was resentful towards Christine. We lost the house in the 2008, 2009 housing crisis. Blamed her. That's not the house that I wanted. Talking to the counselor about how my wife led me into financial disarray is her fault. And he goes, well, what did you say to her when she wanted the house? I said, okay. He goes, so your weak leadership Okay, Mr. Counselor, I won't be paying you next session. <laughs> Dare you talk to me that way? And my resentment left, and the Lord said, You're a weak leader. You're a good leader at church, and you're a poor leader at home. Switch it. Acts 13. How does this pertain? Acts 13. We see now the launching of the church. And look what, how God uses Paul. Because sometimes the church is afraid to speak truth, either to itself or even to the world. I want to encourage you with this. There is no good news, no gospel, if we don't tell people the truth. Oh, I'm, I don't like that passage. Oh, I don't like that Bible verse. I don't. If you give people a half truth, they'll have a half Christianity. Don't be afraid of anything in the Bible. The truth will set them free. Trust God planting that seed their response is not your responsibility, you being faithful to God. And it's hard, but we need to be a courageous church. We see this early on. It says the two of them, that's Paul and Barnabas, are being sent out, first missionaries. Here we go. The church has been huddling. The church has been meeting. The church has been praying. Miracles are happening. Now God's like, let's go. It's time to expand. The church is always on mission. That's why we as a church, we want to be on mission. We want to be going to Mexico. We want to be helping out our neighbors. We want to be bringing up needs in the community. Let's pay for that. Let's go love on them. Let's go to the hospitals. We want to be active as a church. And we're seeing that happen in the early church. We're learning from the book of Acts. It says the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. This is a small island in the Mediterranean, about 60 miles off the coast. It'd be like the Channel Islands off of California. Maybe those are a little bit longer. I don't know. But it's about, if you were to drive it, about an hour away. So God is sending them to an island. That's their first kind of missions trip. Here we go, right? So they're, they're, they're going there, and um, it says that when they arrived, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish Synagogue. So they started with the Jewish people, which is a pattern, and then they would go to people that were of uh, uh, Greco-Roman uh, belief. So they weren't Jewish people. That's how they normally did it. They would start in the synagogues and work their way out. And it says that uh, they also had a man named John who was uh, with them as their helper. Verse 6, they traveled throughout the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, uh, that's just a governor, and his name was Sergius Paulus, okay? So he was an attendant. That means he was an influencer. You got to remember back then that if you were any type of a um, spiritual person, a sorcerer, that's how you made money, and the more dramatic you were, and the more you kind of came up with things, uh, they're very uh, superstitious and religious, the more money you made. There's a lot of financial, um, you know, money to be made uh, for people like this. So he had a relationship. He was influencer with a the governor there. And it said the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul. So he heard about what's going on. 
because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, so the actual, his name means sorcerer, uh, and he's also a Jewish man, which means he changed his name from a, one of Jewish faith to, I mean, he was full on. He went full bore, right? And so it says that uh, he opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil. If you ever want to create an awkward conversation, you can start with that. If you're like, Brian, I want to have a really awkward conversation with someone, just lead with that. It'll be very, very awkward, right? I mean, that doesn't seem really loving, too. I don't know if anyone's ever called you a devil, but I mean, it's just like offensive, right? Doesn't seem very loving and very kind. He, well, he goes on, he says, in the enemy of everything that is right. Okay, all right, we're going down that road. And he said, and he backs it up, right? It's not just his opinion. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. It's not just my opinion, or I'm not just guessing, but your fruit has been revealed because you're deceptive and you're actually tricking. So you're saying things to people, but it's not true and you know it, but it makes you money. So you say things that everybody wants to hear. He says, will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now, this must have been downloaded from the Holy Spirit to Paul. Doesn't pertain to, Paul didn't say it to everybody. But somehow the uh, Holy Spirit gave Paul insight. And he says, now the hand of the Lord is against you. And you're going to be blind for a time and not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, a, a mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what happened, what happened? He what? He believed. Sometimes when you speak truth to someone, that person won't change, but God is using you to speak truth, and other people that are listening or watching will change. So who you're speaking to, it's actually not for them. It's for the observers, and they're like, oh, crud. For he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So he wasn't that what Paul said was true. Again, the gospel, if we bring miracles into people's lives, if you change your life because of a miracle and give it to Jesus, you don't have a faith that saves you. The faith that saves you is that Jesus died and rose again for your sins and that you're never good enough and that when it comes to a judgment that will happen where God looks at all people and says, I'm going to judge you, it's only if you've been forgiven. It's a relational judge. So if we leave that out and we try to bring someone to God by just miracles alone, we have people that are giving their lives to a miracle and they're miracle chasers, like storm chasers. They're chasing the next miracle. What Jesus wants is he wants you to chase him in a personal relationship of dependency, not miracles. So notice that the miracles were used that got his attention, but what drew him was what? The amazing at the teaching about the Lord. God loves you. He died for you. He conquered death. No one's been able to do that. So of all the great teachings in the world, and there might be great teachings, right? From Buddha to Confucius to Muhammad, all these, they're great. But I, here's the thing, the commonality with all of them, they're dead. 
if they're dead, then they, their opinion is the same as mine. They're another human being. They hold no higher authority. But when someone dies and they rise again, I'm going to listen to you. You got something I don't. That's the beauty of Jesus. Never be afraid of Jesus. Don't try to debate the age of the earth. Don't try to debate how did it all happen. We, we get on these debates that are wrong. Stick to the truth. What's the truth? Jesus came because he loves us, because God created us. Everybody loves something they created. I go, I was in Old Town Temecula, all these cars there, taking pictures. I've seen men and women spending thousands of dollars, thousands of that. Why? And they love that car. And what's better than a car is you. And Jesus says, I created you. Why would you not think I love you? But you're a sinner in need of a savior, and that's the good news. You can be freed of politics. You can be freed of, of depression. You can be freed of not having any purpose. You can be freed of your greed, of your selfishness. You can be freed of your, your inadequate relationships. You can't get deep. You're shallow. How am I freed of that? Jesus will free you. This is what changed his life. Today, I want to talk about truth. I want to talk about truth, that Paul spoke truth. And here's the thing you got to remember. When he spoke truth, Here's the danger of when you do it to a governor back then. If they don't like what you said, you got to remember this times. If they don't like what, they, what you said, you know what they did to you? Jailed you or killed you? You guys, the truth will cost you because you don't know how someone's going to respond. But this is where speaking truth is about trusting Jesus more than fearing people. And I think what paralyzes many of us is we fear people more than we trust God, if I'm honest. Can I, can I speak truth as I'm talking about truth? I'm just going to be very honest, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm ashamed of the fact of when there's been times I've not spoken truth, and the Holy Spirit's like, say it, and I won't. I could lose my job. I could lose my friendship. The most difficult thing about leading a church, I'll be very honest, is um, we lose many people just when I speak truth to them. Uh, when I tell couples that are living together, hey, can I bring you God's word? And I'm not just like, you're in sin and going to hell. No, I'm just like, hey, can I bring in God's word? All you can ask questions. Can I, can, I, can I show you God's opinion? Can I? Do I even have permission? Sure. Me, boom, gone. And that's broken friendships. I mean, some of these couples, I, I love, man. Right? But I have, the Lord's like, don't, don't just water it and be like, well, it's kind of a cultural thing now and, and well, they're living together, but they're not having sex. So they're, no, let's not play games here. And we lose people and it's tough. When someone gives, we're not a big church. They're a big giver. I'm like, I got to talk to you. Your anger is vicious. And in my head, I'm like, oh. what if they say peace out? I'm just being honest with you, right? And then it happens in our marriage. What if I taught my marriage partner and oh, it's going to be awkward for three days. They're going to do that, right? And we, run, and we fear them more than God saying, leave your home, men. Stop being afraid. The reality of truth. I want three things just want to lay out for you. It's, first one is this. It's a gift from God. Truth is a gift from God, not a well-formed personal opinion. There's no such thing as my truth. There's no such thing as that. I debated that in college. It was a blast. 
because there's no such thing. You're trying to change the narrative to fit a false assumption. You can't do that philosophically. You can't do that theologically. So there's truth and there's opinion, right? An opinion can contain truth, but there's truth. Truth is a gift from God. John 8, 31 through 32 says this. This is Jesus to the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the what? Okay, you will know the truth if you do what? If you hold to his teaching. Many of us might struggle to speak truth because we don't even know the truth. And then we just go with the world or we go with whatever our family says or we get, we don't even know. This is the beauty of the word of God. It'll give you clarity on even how to speak and when to speak and what to speak. The, the word of God will give you all that. I'm not saying that you guys need to now go like, all right, Brian, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach truth. I'm gonna be on Facebook for 15 hours a day and just telling everybody how they're wrong. Yeah, freedom, right? No, no, I'm not saying that. Because the Bible at times say, hey, the best way to speak truth is shut your mouth right now. You're not the, per you're not the person I've chosen you to speak truth. Notice Paul spoke truth, Barnabas and John didn't. But when God does choose you to speak truth to that friend, I even remember one of the most awkward times when I had to speak truth to my mom. Well, you want to talk about that transition as a parent-child relationship? My mom wasn't going to church. She's a strong believer. She's the one that just, man, just a rock. Driving in the car, we're talking about church. And she not going to church. And I said, Mom, can you help me understand why you think you can stay walking with Jesus and not be a part of the church? But I felt like as we we're driving, there's one of those things is that the Lord is like, it's time to be a man even with your mom. Right? But the word of God told me how to say it the right way. She's still mama. All right? Don't bring out the bear too much, right? But let me throw some seeds out there. But what? We're afraid of our parents. And we're stuck in junior high. And God's like, I need you to get out of junior high. It's time to grow up. Trust me more than you fear people. So the reality of truth is I'm looking not to share my opinion. I'm looking to know God's truth and then speak that into people's lives, whether it's Christians or people that don't know Jesus. If they don't know Jesus, I want to speak the gospel. That's truth. But we, hopefully we're a church that we can speak truth to each other because the truth is what's going to set people free. And when you're afraid of people, they stay entrapped because you lack the courage to speak truth. They stay trapped in their way of thinking and their way of living. The truth can set them free. Ephesians talks about this. I encourage you to, probably in connection groups, I'm going to give you Ephesians again, you guys. I just think it's good for us to meditate on this. So it'll be in your email this week for our discussion. Can I read Ephesians 4, 15? And then I'm going to read 22 through 25. So Ephesians 4, 15 says this. Instead, speaking the truth in what? Love. So in order for them to kind of take that pill of truth, make sure you're washing it down with some love, right? Truth is not a rock to be thrown. Truth is food to be given and let them receive it. Right? The Bible talks about that. So if you have truth but no love, you're not a part of the Lord. But if you have love with no truth, Two sides of the same coin. And many of us, our personalities, some of us are truth crusaders. I love just a truth bomb. 
And the Lord's like, ah, no. And we wonder why people kind of cringe or we look around like, why don't I have friends? But some of us, we're like, we think it's so loving to leave out the truth. And I was like, no, that's actually to hate your brother and sister, to, to keep them entrapped by not speaking the truth. So the Bible says, listen, let's pair those. And I'll, I'll be honest, how do I do that in my life? I'm just going to be honest here. The Bible directs a lot, but the best way to do that is don't speak truth unless you talk to people you trust who can confirm that that's a loving thing to do. So when I have difficult conversations here at church, I'm always running it by the elders or other people I trust. The best way to make sure that you're speaking the truth and love is run it by two to three people that you really, not. what I mean trust is they're wise. They have good relationships. They speak truth, like, there's wisdom there. Whether it's, so they don't have to be an elder necessarily, but just people that know and can, and can also call you out. They're not afraid to be like, ah, no, 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 no. Or sometimes I'll be like, hey, I want to say this, and they're like, not the right time. So bounce it off the word of God, bounce it off godly people, but our goal is to speak the truth in love. And so he says, so speaking the truth in love, why is that important? We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head of Christ. How does the church mature when we speak truth to each other? Which can make connection groups really awkward. So as a church, I hope we learn to not only speak truth, but some of us need to learn to receive truth. And I know you're insecure. I'm insecure. I know it's tough when someone's like, ah, that's not what that Bible verse means. Well, that's what it means to me, so shut your mouth, right? <laughs> Or you drive away from connection. I can't think that Brian thinks he knows it all and corrected me. And, you know, that's how I read the passage, that jerk, you know. Some of you are like, are you listening into our conversation? <laughs> no, I'm making that one up. That doesn't happen here. That happened at the previous church I was at, not this one. Yeah. We mature through truth. And what's interesting to me is we know that happens in life, Right? If any of us are involved in sports, how do we get better? By a coach saying, you stink. Stop doing that. Uh, my son and I were just talking about jujitsu, and I was listening to a guy who's a black belt, and uh, they said, how do you become successful? He's a champion. How do you become successful? He goes, I always think like a white belt. That's how you become a black belt. Never stop learning, even from belts that are lower than you. But then also in our walks with God, we want no one to tell us what to do or to say, hey, whoa. The goal of connection groups is that we actually learn to love each other so much that then when we speak truth, we know it's coming from the right place. That's the goal. I hope we get there. I think we're there. And then in our families, the same thing. And then hopefully in our communities, that when we speak truth and present the gospel, we've already kind of set the bed or set the table for it's been doing out of love. It's coming out of love. So this is how we mature. He goes on to say in verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. What's the deceitful desires? I want people to like me. I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody to, to break anything off. So that's deceitful desires saying, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand, not say anything, and everything's going to get better. Have any of us tried that tactic? Did any of us grow up in a family where it's like, let's just sweep that under the rug? and it'll just magically go away, right? That's why some of us are in counseling today, right? Because we got to take the dirt out from the rug, and our parents didn't have the guts to do that. That's deceit. I'm going to act like nothing's wrong, and then it's going to get better. And the Bible says, that's your old way of doing things, but now be made in the new attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true 
righteousness, and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, speaking truthfully to each other. If I would have done that when we bought a house we couldn't afford back in 2007, I would have said, babe, I love you. I hear you. But we can't honor the Lord if we're hoping to make these house payments by crossing our fingers. Let's start a little bit lower. That would have been speaking truth to my wife. It would have saved us from a lot of heartache. We lacked success financially because we lacked truth. You see how this hits in different areas of life? Now, I want to kind of end with this. Truth only is powerful when it's given with integrity, which means if you're giving truth, but you're, you're being a hypocrite, you're doing exactly what you tell them they shouldn't do, your truth will have no power. And sometimes I see this with parents where they get so frustrated with their kids, but what they don't realize is they have the blind spot of they're doing the exact same thing. And their spouse doesn't have the guts to pull them aside saying, babe, you're telling them not to spaz out, but yet you don't realize when we're in the car and you get cut off, you're acting the same way, just in an adult way. The quickest way to lose your kids is to speak truth to them and then have hypocrisy in your own life. I'm saying you have to be perfect, but, but there needs to be a sense of no, again, no, none of that duplicity, right? We got, so I want to encourage you with this. As much as you seek truth, make sure you're seeking integrity before you speak truth. Evaluate your life before you say a word. Otherwise, change your life, then speak truth. Families, same thing with, with Christianity. I want to reach someone at work, but they see me cheating like everyone else does at work, putting extra hours that I worked that I really didn't, and then I try to explain the gospel to them, and I'm like, mm-hmm. So again, this is why I, I want to live a lifestyle of repentance and getting rid of sin. I, I hope you realize that it's not so that God will like me. My sin's forgiven. This is really important. This is the difference between us and Catholicism. Past, present, future, done. Catholicism, the past, but you better keep working for the future. Or God's going to like, ah, right? So you got a little bit of that guilt, like, oh, I got to keep going. No, 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 no. That's not the good news. That's bad news because you're still stressed out. You're forgiven. So then, Brian, why do I repent? So you can actually have some kind of integrity to speak truthfully and bring force into people's lives because the character is like this, this flow of water that just brings power to your words. Words are powerful with integrity. They're completely inept with hypocrisy. So I want integrity, not so that God likes me, but that so I have influence with people so that my kids will listen as they get older being like, oh yeah, my dad lived out exactly what he said. Okay, that makes sense now. Psalm 15, one through two says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? And he says this, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous and who speaks truth from their heart. God is close to those whose walk is blameless which is nothing you can do. God makes you blameless. He's the one that gives you righteousness. But then who does what is righteous? Who responds to God? So God saves me, and now I begin to live for him, but also who speaks truth, not deceit, not who sweeps things under the rug. That's who's close with me. That tent is one of community. That's who I commune with and I'm close with. 
Proverbs is a great passage that talks about the way we speak truth. If you want to read Proverbs this week, I encourage you. Chapter 10, chapter 18, kind of go through Proverbs. If you want to work on this in your life, study Proverbs. Just study it. It, it, it's a lot about speaking truth and how to do it and how to kind of, I don't have time today to kind of, I just want to kind of get you thinking about it. And I know this is not a popular topic. <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of like a, but I want to encourage you with this. If you get this, not only will you have success in your life, but you're going to make people successful around you. And again, whether it's financially, whether it's relationally, but most of all, spiritually, and especially when it comes to people who don't know Jesus, don't leave out truth. Don't be scared of something in the Bible. Trust God. God's like, I put it there for a reason. Trust me more than you fear others. But package in the right way. Make sure if you're, if you're explaining the gospel to someone, they actually see you living it out. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Your words have no power. Proverbs 12, 19 says this, Listen, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Lies and deceit are temporary relief, but a person of truth, even if someone doesn't like him in the moment, they'll respect him down the road. Proverbs 28, 23 says this, Whoever rebukes a person will in the end, when? In the end, gain favor, not in the immediate situation rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. I'm thankful for honesty. When I was 17 years of age, I was living a life of massive hypocrisy. I was reading my Bible, but then I was getting drunk, partying, um, and uh, it was an exhausting life. If you looked at me on the outside, though, you'd say, that, that kid has it all. I was traveling, I was racing, I was doing pretty well. I had success, uh, showing up, to church, I would lift my hands, even though I got drunk the night before. But it was exhausting, my soul was exhausted, but no one would know it. That's the beauty of a person who walks with integrity, who, who inundates themselves in the truth, is they can see through the BS. Yeah, I won't say the full thing, but you get where I'm going? Because we're naturally wrapped in BS. We naturally live, our whole society, look how I look, and the facade, and this, and my car, even though I can't afford it, and we, and we, we naturally want that. And the Bible says, I want to cut through that. And a person of integrity will see through it. Then they got to pray about, Lord, is it my calling to say something to them? And the Lord says, yes. Then it's, how do I say? And what do I say? And what do I not say? Sometimes truth doesn't need to be through a fire hose. Let it be through a drinking fountain. Oh, thank you. All right? And then what I want to do is talk to a few people to make sure I'm not being off to make sure I'm not being a hypocrite. And then once the Lord says fire, pull the trigger and trust him because it might just save their life. My youth pastor had some guts because in the youth group, I was pretty popular. I was pretty, just because I was outgoing and things like that. And so um, took me to an Alberto's where all spiritual things happen at Alberto's. So if you want to speak the truth, go to Alberto's. It just kind of, you know, a burrito does something. And, uh, he kind of pinned me down, like, what's going on? Wait, what's going on? Life is good, you know, like that kind of stuff. And just so you know, to get to the truth, ask good questions before you make a good statement. He just kept pressing me with good questions. Finally, I broke down. He could tell. And I'm like, I'm living a huge hypocritical life. And I go, I just don't know what to do because I want to chase medals and people clapping. And I love, I love that rush of like winning a race and just people, I, if I'm on, I love it. It's like a drug. 
but I, I'm afraid if I keep going on that path, I'm not going to know Jesus. And he goes, well, you can try to continue to do both, but it seems like it's not working. He goes, I want to encourage you with this. Give up on Jesus and go chase medals. But just know when your life ends, you're probably going to be in hell. You're going to be separated from me. Quit playing, but choose something. Or you might need to give up racing. Give up the medals. Trust God. He goes, so far it seems like you can't do both. Best decision of my life. It was harsh. Went home, thought about it. He goes, who cares about medals? Who cares about applause? Because you know what I notice? You're a champion. You get old, and there's another champion, and everybody forgets about you. Gave my life to Jesus. Gave up racing. Coach couldn't believe it. Very angry. I didn't want to go back, so I sold all my cycling stuff. I was racing bike. I sold it all because I didn't want to, like, be tempted. Went to church. Started in junior high ministry. Met my wife. Became a pastor. And don't regret a darn thing. From one man that said, let's go to Alberto's. Let me ask some tough questions. And I'm going to speak the truth. And you might be angry, and I might not ever see you again. The truth will set you free. Accept it. Know it speak it. The worship team is going to come up now, and um, I just hope you can reflect right now about where God might want to encourage you or challenge you in this area of truth. Uh, We have communion. I encourage you always to remember that we're set free by the blood of Jesus. That is the good news, and that inspires you this week. And so um, I encourage you, if you want to do it with your family or friends, maybe someone pray together. Our family, we tend to go and say, hey, what, what are you getting so far out of today? Kind of reflect with communion. And obviously, we're going to have some amazing worship. So let me pray. And then uh, we'll let God do his thing right now with you. Jesus, I thank you that you're not just loving, but you're very honest with us. <laughs> you're very honest saying, listen, here's the danger. Here's where you're headed. Here's what you need to think about. But with that truth, you give us hope. And you're patient, Lord, because some of us, we need to hear the truth like 50,000 times before we get it. God, I pray that we would never tire of being truthful people. We'd be patient. We wouldn't expect people to get it the first time, whether it's our kids or people that don't know you. But I pray as much as we speak truth, I pray for those of us that really like speaking truth, I pray we'd be people also that receive truth. We wouldn't deflect, we wouldn't blame, and we'd allow the truth to set us free of our anger of our laziness, of our apathy, of our arrogance. Because when we're set free is when we can really enjoy life and live for you. God, I pray as a church that we would love each other by speaking the truth. We'd love our family and we'd love this world by being people of truth and who speak truth. So we worship you now, not just with our spirits, but we worship you in the truth of these songs. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.